Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to the Bible Immersion Podcast by the Well Madera, where we exist to point people to the hope and love and the wholeness found only in Jesus Christ. And the heart and the vision of this podcast is to do that by showing how every single story of Scripture snaps together to shape the one true story of Jesus. And we're calling this podcast Bible Immersion because we recognize that reading the Bible is its a lot like learning a new language. Uh, not only that, it's like stepping back into a completely new and unfamiliar time zone in a culture and a context that expects you to be fluent in their history and cultural traditions and even their inside jokes. And as we all know, the best way to learn another language is to completely immerse yourself in the culture and force yourself to begin thinking about everything through the life and the eyes and the language of that culture. And this is what the Bible is inviting you and me to do. We immerse ourselves in the story and we allow it to shape our identity as we begin to see that even a few thousand years later, we are still living within this same one true story. So as we walk line by line through the scriptures to know who God is and what he's like and what it means to be human as we're shaped by the story of Jesus, come with us and see how this divine gift of the scriptures points us to the past to inspire hope for the future. So we'll be in Proverbs 12, verse 25. So whoever gets there, if you could read Proverbs 12, verse 25, go ahead and go for it. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Yeah, so Proverbs 12, 25. Looks like uh, did I get it right this time. <laughs> That's right, on Dennis. Yeah, but you know, I think what it is, Dennis, the Lord just likes to use you to make sure we don't just get one, but we get two proverbs. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I appreciate that. Uh, but no, that was that was the right one. So good morning, Carol. Good to see you. Good morning, Anne. Good to see you as good well. Morning. Yeah. Morning. Yeah. So, all right. So we're we're in. We just uh, opened up to Proverbs twelve twenty five. <laughs> Proverbs twelve twenty five, and it says that anxiety in a man's heart uh, weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Um, and uh, I've just really been thinking and praying through that proverb quite a bit the past couple weeks, and. Um, I just want to encourage you guys. You know, I, I think obviously you guys have seen this, felt it yourselves, but I think a lot of people are in a lot of anxiety right now because there's just so much uncertainty. And um, there's just a lot, excuse me, a lot of fear of the unknown. Uh, this is just new territory for everybody. And you know what I've noticed is um, – while we're doing our best to respect shelter in place, when I am out and about and I get to have conversations with people, um, it's almost as if people finally have the opportunity to share that they're not doing okay. The reality is for years, um, for years, especially I'd say the past decade or so in our society, people have really been struggling with anxiety um, and I think the past couple years, people have finally started to kind of recognize that in our, in our nation, our society, maybe the world as a whole, there's a real spirit of anxiety in people. Um, but now with this coronavirus, it's almost like people feel like the walls are down and they have a reason to admit it where in the past they felt like they had to hide it. And so I've just been every conversation I have, um, and every t- opportunity I have, I kind of lead out with this dumb little question. I just say, hey, uh, how are you doing in all, all this, this craziness right now? And I've found that just that simple question has just like opened the floodgates <clears throat> with people. The past couple of days, I, and then I just listen because like yesterday I was getting some paint at Home Depot. I asked uh, the lady that was, was checking uh, 
um, checking the paint out at the counter, and I just said, hey, how, how are you doing in the, all the craziness of this world? And the floodgates opened, and she went off for probably seven or eight minutes. <laughs> like, you know, when you've already paid for everything and you're still talking? <laughs> Thankfully, nobody, like, behind me angrily waiting in line. But um, And she just shared, like, everything she's afraid of right now. And, and because there are kind of a lot of people wandering around and stuff, I, I, uh, you know, just said some, some kind things to her, encouraged her. And I said, you know, um, I don't, I don't want to make you feel awkward right here, but when I drive away, can I take a minute and just pray for you? And, uh, it really sounds like you need wisdom right now. Cause she was really struggling with, she's got some young kids at home and she wants to protect them. But also Home Depot is busier than ever right now and she needs the money to work. But she doesn't want to be working right now because she's just really afraid. And so she's like, I need to work, but I want to be home with my kids. I don't want to bring stuff home to them from Home Depot, you know, like all this stuff. And so I just said, it sounds like you need some wisdom. Can I pray that for you when, when I leave here? And she just like, I mean, just absorbed that and was so, so grateful um, that, that I would offer that. And so what I'm finding is, um, Proverbs 12, anxiety in a man or a woman's heart weighs him or her down, but a good word makes him or her glad. And just the moment I had said the word wisdom, I could tell, you know, normal people don't use the word wisdom. (laughs) It's a total Christian thing. So she immediately knew, you know, as I'm going to pray for her and I'm going to pray for wisdom. They're like, okay, like I, I, I could really use that right now. And so, um, yeah, just want to encourage you guys. Here, Grace is jumping on. Oh, there we go. Okay, we got people, a bunch of people asked for a password, huh? Okay. Um, so just want to encourage you um, as, as you're out there. <laughs> As you have uh, conversations with people, um, consider what it looks like uh, to just say, hey, how are you doing? And then sit back and listen. So um, just been interesting to see how the Lord wants to use that. So any thoughts on that you guys have? I'm amazed at um, it almost seems like post 9-11 uh, attitude where folks uh, seem to be uh, pretty kind, willing to share. Mm-hmm. Um, I can I can come up with multiple examples of being in the grocery store and having only one or two items on the shelf, and the the pause of just looking at each other like, "Hey, let's just split it up," mm-hmm. um, and then having and then immediately following into a conversation with that person that that I didn't even know um, mm-hmm. that they they started. So. Um, I don't know. It's, it seems like, uh, yeah, it seems like people are pretty open right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I think you're right. Post 9-11 is a good way of saying it to where I think in other maybe better times of life, people, f- we all feel like as humans, we got to put a face on that life is good and we're doing great. But in a time like this, um, there's an excuse to say I'm not doing okay and walls really come down. Um, and it just gives us an opportunity to speak the truth and love into people. And, and man, it really just breathes life into them. And so I, I think what an opportunity um, to truly love people. So Grace, it's good to see you this morning. Good morning. Yeah. I like, I like I was, the red brick I, I behind was, you. Or huh? I said I like the red brick behind you. Oh, my spare room. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I find myself that um, I'm doing more reading. Like every day I still get up and I read the Bible and I'm in my life group and I just joined the women's group. Yeah. Because if I don't, it's so easy to fall in anxiety and then depression and worry. So for me personally, I know that's how God made me. I worry about everything. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's best to surround myself with, positive things, Christian music at work. I listen to it on my phone and um, just try to keep a good attitude. Mm-hmm. I love that you're just surrounding yourself with good people, Grace. I was just excited to hear you're jumping in the women's discipleship group and I love it. That's awesome. It's what we need to be doing. So 
It's good. Yeah. You know, what's really kind of fun for me is uh, seeing kids. So I was mentioning that to um, life group and then I got a bunch of pictures of the kids because uh, I said, I miss the kids. Yeah. So a bunch of cute <laughs> pictures and uh, kids just bring so much joy because they're having fun. They don't even know what's going on. They're just happy. Yeah. You know? Here's the deal, Grace. When all this is over, you can have our kids for like a month. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> free, free babysitting. Yeah. Maybe two months. We might be feeling really generous by then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no that's very true very true so yeah awesome guys uh well any other thoughts on proverbs 12 and just kind of what you're seeing in the hearts of people around as you're in the grocery store and then we'll we'll pray and hand it on over to sean all right i think people are a little nicer i've noticed Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and they're respecting the rules yeah distance and all of that they're being a lot nicer yeah mm-hmm. yeah i think people do tend to be it's kind of polarizing people either tend to be much more kind right now or very irritable <laughs> you know, well, you know I, it's like one or the other i don't know if you guys have seen both i know at work so i heard two of the girls uh t- talking to each other and they were saying how they you know don't even go to church they never even thought of going to church now they're listening to online. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I passed on some links to them just to click on and, and look. That's so right. that's one good thing. Yeah. So good. Love it. Well, guys, let me let me pray. And then John's or uh, Sean's going to roll us on in uh, Genesis 1, 2, and then into 3 this morning. So let me pray. Father, we, uh, we love you so much. And... Uh, I just thank thank you that in uncertain times and um, just yeah I I know all of us right now just feel a real uh, feeling of, of of the fear of the unknown we don't know what kind of things are happening right now and what's to come but we know that we can trust you I've just been so grateful to rely on the promises in you Jesus that you're the same yesterday today and forever and that. Uh, there's nothing new under the sun. Um, and so we just trust that you hold all this in your hands. And I, I pray that you would just help us to really be the church um, as we have conversations with people um, and even not be afraid to share our own anxieties as we engage and we listen. It's, it's okay for us to recognize we've got some our own fear and anxiety um, because this is all new for all of us. So I, I thank you for this, this group on Thursday mornings that we spend time in the Word, fill ourselves up with your truth and your life from Genesis. And uh, I pray that it just carries with us in our minds and our hearts throughout the week to just secure ourselves in you, uh, to be confident in your promises, to trust you, especially think of the passage this morning, May we trust you with all our heart, soul, mind, strength. Make us those kind of men and women that we trust you with everything we have. We trust you for today and we trust you for tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I'm still trying to figure out how to turn the brightness on my screen down so it doesn't look like I'm sitting in the sun. (laughs) (laughs) Not working. I can't figure it out. Um, okay, so generally we recap uh, Genesis 1 and 2. We're going to do a super fast recap just to bring us into focus for three. Um, so far, uh, God's created all things for man to flourish. Um, he creates light, which brings life. He creates an atmosphere, which supports life. Um, he makes plants for food. He makes animals to subdue. Um, and to rule as, as we reflect him. Um, he creates the sun and the moon, and he says he gives us for signs and seasons and for days and years. Um, he creates an environment to commune with man. He, we, we read in the latter part of two how he created, or he was uh, uh, rivers flowing around the lands, which brought life to, to each person or, or each, each uh, entity. And so um, we see that he creates... And he gives the tools to 
command to to fulfill his commandment to be fruitful, multiply, <laughs> etc. Um, to be creative, just as he is to make to make communities and, and to commune with him and to make families, etc. Um, at this point, what is so so far? God's provided everything that we could possibly want and need, meeting all of our desires. Um, what reason is there at this point to believe that God doesn't have our best interest mm-hmm. in mind? And, and think about that as we move into talking about the tree, um, because the tree represents a choice that, um, that uh, basically it, the question is, does God have our best interest in mind? Um, so as, as we see that he's, he's given us all things to, to flourish and to reflect, uh, he's given us one instruction. He says, do not eat off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so God puts a, a choice in front of man. And, and what is that? Let me ask you guys, what is that, 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 look, what does the tree represent? When he says, do not eat off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what, is, what does that tree represent? Why is he asking us to not do that? Because our choice, our freedom. Okay. Freedom, grace. We broke our rules. Okay. Go ahead. Um, He gave us that, I think, for guidelines. Um, If we trust him and love him, then we would be obedient. Okay. But I always had a hard time understanding that because if he knows everything and planned everything, why would he plant the tree there? Because he would know that Satan was going to do that. Yeah, he sure would. Um, so I think, I think that's going to be answered a little bit later. So let me put that on hold for just a few minutes. But I want to ask, um, you said that, that um, we broke the rules. We, we kind of went outside the guidelines. Um, I think sometimes we think that God just creates rules for the sake of creating rules. But when, when we see, when we look at sin, which is, 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 is basically a, a, a uh, action that goes against the character of God, mm-hmm. sin is simply, um, the, the reason it's sin is not only because it goes against the character of God, but because it creates damage. It, it breaks relationships. It, it hurts people. Um, any sin you can think of. And so the question is, the choice that he's putting in front of us with the tree of knowledge of good and evil, he's asking us to, are we going to trust him to define good and evil? Are, going, are we going to try and, and, and take that authority on ourselves and, and, and define it for ourselves? And here's the catch. The creator knows what's good for the creation. The creation is not good at defining good and evil. They are simply the creation. And so God says, let me define that for you. And, and here we are presented with a choice standing in front of the tree. Are we going to trust God or are we going to trust that authority and, 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 and define it for ourselves? So as we move into three, um, I want you guys to focus on the order uh, we Dave and I have talked about through chapter one and two, how important order is in, in establishing um, uh, from, from chaos to order and how important that is. And, and we see that all throughout scripture. We see that the tabernacle, how defined and the tabernacle and temple, how defined things are. So order has a purpose. And I want you guys to, to see the order in which things take place in Genesis three and how, each piece is literally flipped upside down from the order of God. And we'll talk about it through each, each per particular verse. Um, let's, um, could somebody read Genesis one, uh, Genesis three, one through, let's go through seven and then we'll go back through and talk, talk about it. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, 
Has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, you surely shall not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate and she gave also to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, so in the first, uh, three one, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God uh, had made. Something about the serpent. Um, do, was the serpent bad? He was made the same day Adam and Eve was made, or Adam was made. So was the serpent bad? Because it's definitely painting a picture that the serpent's bad. No. Sean, Sean, can I ask you how you would define bad? <clears throat> yeah. Um, so at this point, when, let's, Dave, in order to define bad, let's define good. Because yeah. when we go back through one and two, we see that good means um, that it's serving its intended purpose. And its intended purpose is to to bring glory to God. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, <clears throat> so John, let me ask you this. How yeah. would you know about death? How would she know what dying was when she had no knowledge? Yeah, that's a great question. That's a great question. Um, no, that's okay. We're skipping ahead a little bit. Um, are you okay if I address that when we get down a little further? Well, of course. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so the serpent, it says the serpent was more crafty, and the idea of crafty is that it was um, beguiling. It was it – was, uh, some of the some of the translations say subtle, and in that subtlety – it, it's it's really talking. It's really um, painting a picture that Satan or that that the serpent was, um, um, yeah, beguiling. It was sneaky. There was a there was a a, a motive behind its conversation. <clears throat> and so I want to point out that the serpent was made again the same day Adam was made, and the serpent was good. God said that uh, at the end of each created day that that it was good. And so we know that that's the case. The question is, was it a serpent or was there a, a, a larger agent utilizing that serpent for an, another purpose? And I think we know that there's a larger agent being Satan. Um, and so he said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? What do you guys notice in that this off, I guess. <clears throat> Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? He specifically said the tree of knowledge. Okay. But what does Satan do? He created doubt. He's trying to trick her, I think. <laughs> yeah. He really is trying to trick her. Um, and there's some really interesting language in there as well. Um, the word God that is used here, um, we see that up until now, we see uh, uh, back in uh, Genesis 1 after he created man, we see a linguistical shift. The, the text talks about God as Elohim, which is a, a generic, um, it'd be just, just like saying God. <clears throat> it's a very, uh, very generic title for God. But then it, it later shifts to Lord God. 
and it talks about, it uses the word Yahweh, which is a very specific name for God. So it's creating the idea of relationship. But Satan here doesn't use Yahweh. He uses Elohim, a very generic version of the word God. Why do you think that is? What do you think he's trying to do? He is tricking them, yes, or her. Maybe he's trying to make, um, by using that word, not making God as powerful as he is, putting up there as high as he should be. Yeah. Do do you think, Grace, that he might be... um, he might be attempting to to maybe separate the relational side between Adam and Eve and God, making him creating kind of a distance. I think of it like um, when you see a hostage situation on TV, and I've used this analogy before, where the the um, the the law enforcement will tell the parents when you address the hostage taker, use use the name of the person. And the reason they do that is to is to show relationship, to create oh, right. a personal side to mm-hmm. whomever they've kidnapped, and it appeals to the it appeals to the kidnapper to to make them realize that there's a person that they're they're dealing with. And I think Satan's doing exactly the opposite of that. He's taking the um, the relationship and he's trying to to pull it as far away from from Eve as he can by simply calling God God. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what and he's he, somebody said he's creating doubt. Who said that? I did. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what he's doing. Um, he, yeah. Um, what what question is he asking? And 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 real quick, this is this is what this is what Satan does, and he, he doesn't just do this in the garden. He continually does this with. Does God's word say that, or did God really mean that? I mean, God really wouldn't do that. But what's the question he's really asking here? Are you certain of what you heard? Uh, did God really mean what he said? And then we're going to move into another portion of the question: Why would a good God restrict you from something so pleasing to the eyes? Mm-hmm. Those are really what what Satan's asking her. And he says, "You shall not eat of any tree in the garden." But but God didn't say that. In fact, God said just the opposite of that, right? God said you may eat freely. Everything. Everything. Except, except one tree. Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. And so repainting the picture, we have God that's, that's given us everything we can possibly desire for food, for life, for reflecting him. He's given us every tree in the garden. He makes it very clear we can have everything except this one tree. And what does Satan focus on? How does Satan paint God? He he does he doesn't say any tree. He paints him as 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 a restrictive God, right? Yeah. So he takes his name, he puts him in a generic light, and he paints him as restrictive. Mm. And it's completely the opposite. Once again, let's focus on the order. Um, once again, it's completely the opposite of what God is, is and what it, he's done for us. Um, verse two. Wait, anything in there that you guys want to talk about? Is that, is that pretty clear? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Um, verse two. And the woman said to the serpent, we made of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But God said, ye shall not eat of the tree or eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Mm. What's going on there? What's what's wrong with this statement? There's there's a gotcha at the end of that statement. It's pretty clear. Seems like you know she starts off well. You you kind of see her start in her statement to like correct the serpent and say no actually you know satan asks her actually did god actually say this and then she says no actually like god said we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden so it seems like she starts well but then maybe her confidence wanes and her understanding of god's directions uh kind of get unclear as she finishes the statement you know in the end of verse three yeah 
Because she says that um, God said you must not touch it. Yeah. And God didn't say that you must not touch. Yeah. No. So she, she falls right into the trap of painting God in a restrictive light as well. Uh, just as Dave said, she it seems like she starts off fairly strong, but then then kind of wanes toward the end. The other thing I want you guys to, to, to realize as well, who did who was who did God talk to about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Adam. Adam. Talk to Adam. But what does the serpent do? Talks to Eve. Why do you think that is? <laughs> You better be careful, Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't said a word. Yeah. But you can you can draw a parallel between Satan and an attorney. <laughs> you know? Hopefully we don't have any attorneys here or, or folks trying to be attorneys. Um, <laughs> he, he goes to the woman. God talks to Adam. God instructs Adam not to eat off the tree. And what's Adam's job? To make sure he doesn't do it. To lead his wife, right? Right. Isn't that he doesn't do it. Or, or, or he does, but... And we're going to find later that, that, uh, another gotcha that, that Adam was with her the whole time. I think a lot of times we this story... Pardon me? I didn't know he was with her. Yeah. We hear this story and we think that that um, Adam was off somewhere else chopping wood or whatever, doing whatever he's doing. But the truth is, Adam's with her the entire time. And so Satan goes to. So let me, let me rephrase that. A beast of the field goes to the woman. How did God set up order? He set up mankind is to subdue and to rule. He sets up. Man is to lead his spouse. But we see, once again, order completely shifted upside down. We see mankind, rather than subduing as God instructed, we see mankind um, uh, being subdued by a beast of the field, being beguiled by a beast of the field. And we see Satan using the... the, the um, the wife who is supposed to be led by the husband to do the exact opposite. So once again, we order completely flipped upside down and the consequences of this order being flipped upside down is, is, is just treacherous. And we're going to get into that as well. Dennis about, about dying. Um, so he, she's, uh, God did not tell her not to touch it. In fact, there's n- n- no instruction not to touch it, only not to eat it. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. <laughs> so he starts off by questioning God, questioning God's motives. Did God, are you certain of what you heard? Did God really mean what he said? Um, why would God restrict you from something so good? And, and when Eve falls into the trap of painting God in a negative light, we see Satan go right in for the kill. Hmm. You will not surely die. Now he's now he's not questioning God. He's blatantly calling God a liar. Hmm. Um, and so here's the here's the catch. Satan tells we know by by finishing the story that Satan tell there's an element of truth to his 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 um, his statement because death we see death being a spiritual and a physical death. Um, but Satan doesn't, doesn't talk about the spiritual death. He only talks about the physical death. So there's an element of truth. After they eat it, they're not going to die, at least not initially. <coughs> um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, he says, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened mm-hmm. and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. What's, what's the problem with that statement? There's quite a few. Well, he, he, he's telling the woman that they'll be equivalent to God. Mm-hmm. God's no longer superior. Okay. So, so that kind of plays to her ego. Yeah. 
It sure does. Dave, were you going to say something? Yeah, I was just going to say, um, I think you're right, Dennis. It appeals to our ego, but I think even before that, going back to your earlier observation, Dennis, about does Eve even know about death yet, I think he appeals to her curiosity, um, which I think go hand in hand here, the curiosity and the ego of like your eyes will be opened. And uh, man, you can even still see that tactic used today of like, well, you just don't fully know, like you haven't been enlightened, right? Like that's a, a term. That oh yeah, a lot it's an of advertising people. trick. Yeah, it, <laughs> it really is. Like you have not yet Full, you've not been fully like self-realized yet, right? Like if you took this. John next, used it on yesterday. Is <laughs> that <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, so he appeals, I think, to her curiosity and ego at the same time. Of well, there's something you're missing out on that your eyes are closed to right now. God has closed your eyes to something great, and you're missing out. Your eyes could be open to the next level, right? Think so about curiosity that in your and life. ego going on. Think about those things in your life. How many times has somebody sold you something using that lie? Mm. Huh. <laughs> how many, you know, how many, how many things in your life are affected by that? Just, just the curiosity and the fact that, hey, you really haven't experienced something unless you try this. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's and it. Doesn't. <laughs> Isn't that what sin does every time? Mm. Oh, sure. It makes a promise that it makes a promise that that somehow if we don't do this or don't have this, we're going to be missing something. Mm. But the truth is, it's a lie every single time, and it's true in the garden just as much as it's true today. Uh, sin always promises something; it, it never delivers. Mm-hmm. Much like the, the sales that you were talking about, right? <laughs> So far, so far we've we've gone after lawyers and salesmen and women. So far this morning, we're doing we're on good track. But, but, you know, think about when you bought a house. Yeah. If you if you buy a new car, if you if you buy anything, you buy this brand of ketchup. If you buy this brand of of ketchup, you won't have really good ketchup unless you buy this one. You yeah. know, and then you go well. What does he know that I don't know? <laughs> Again, it goes back to curiosity. Yeah. If you chew a certain type of gum on a certain train, you'll get the girl. It, 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 <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, you see goofy commercials like that all the time. And what they're appealing to is, hey, you, there's something out there that you don't have. But if you have this. And so <clears throat> what does Satan promise? He promises your eyes will be opened. Mm. You'll be like God. And you'll know good and evil. You'll know something you don't know currently. And, and all of those things were true. The hook is what damage it creates. And so here's, here's one of the other issues that, that, that I want to address with the uh, statement. Wait a minute. Statement. Are you saying that Satan did not lie? Um, is that what you're saying? He didn't lie? He told the truth? Well, what what did he tell them? Well, first he changed it. Okay. That's the first lie. Okay. Did he not change it? No, he did. Absolutely. I'm not saying he didn't lie. I'm simply saying that um, what he's using to hook them, there's a lot of truth buried with a couple of small lies. And And one of the lies is you will not die. Well, they don't know what death is. We, we talked about that a moment ago. And even if they did, would they know the difference between spiritual and physical death? Do they know the consequence of, of their actions? And the answer is, I don't think they do. I think the question is, they need, or the, what needed to happen was that they would trust God, much like we sometimes don't see the consequence to our sin. Um, but that doesn't mean it's, it's not damaging. When God says... Um, I don't know, uh, I'll pick a, a, a controversial topic, I guess, uh, premarital sex. I mean, we, 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 how is this hurting? I'm, I'm getting to know my mate, this and that. But God says don't do it. And just because we don't understand it doesn't mean that it doesn't have consequences. And that's essentially the, the, 
what God's putting in front of Adam and Eve with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil currently is they don't understand the consequences. Yet God is saying, trust me that the consequences are bad. Mm. Right. Do, do we not face that those same those same uh, questions today? Just because we don't understand why sin is bad, we, we still we still need to trust God. And so we're presented with a tree every day. Um, so your question, Dennis, was, did Satan lie? Yes, he absolutely lied. Um, but it was sprinkled in with a lot of truth. And that's, that's typically what happens. Um, but here, here's, here's, a, here's a problem with, with Satan's statement. He says in five, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. He says you'll be like God. What's the, what's the problem with that statement? No one can be like God. Huh. Okay. So are, are you saying he sparked a little jealousy? Is that what you're talking? Yeah, I would say he did. But somebody go back to um, Genesis 1.26 and, and, and read, read that to me, please. <clears throat> Uh, Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Thanks, Susan. So we see that that Satan's telling telling Eve that she'll be like God. But the truth of the matter is, they were already like God. They were already made in God's image and after his likeness. Mm-hmm. Right? No? Right. <laughs> Do you guys see that? Okay. Yeah, but so it's made to look like him. What's that? Made in his image, so made to look like him, but not to think like him. Hmm. Um, okay. <clears throat> when you say look like him, do you mean like physically look like him? I'm just saying, because um, yeah, I'm, I'm just going off of the imagery, because it says, you know, we're made in his image. So, but it doesn't ever say anything about um, given the ability to think like him, you know, so just a okay. question more than anything. Yeah. Um, okay. So when we go back to 126 and 20, 26, 27, I think it is. Um, we talked uh, a few sessions ago, probably a month ago about um, what image and likeness mean. Uh, And, and the word image is, is Selim, T S L E M. And the, what, 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 what's being conveyed there is in um, back in those times, uh, Kings and rulers would put, uh, images of themselves in in their courtyards and at the extreme uh, places of their 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 land or where they ruled. And remember that back then the the, the Hebrews or they believed that that um, that they were representations of God on earth, and so they were lording over the people. And so they would put images in the corners of of their of their land to remind people that they. That, that this is their land, this is where they rule. <clears throat> and so when the Hebrews see this word selam or image, they immediately think, hold on a second. Um, the kings were representation of God, and, and, and Moses is telling us we are also representations of God. And so that image and likeness um, is, is a... a Dave, help me with this. I'm I'm struggling to explain this well. Okay, can can I add something there? Yeah. Um, going back to my notes, we um, I wrote down image, the duplication of the original. Therefore, right. we are the duplication of God, but not the wholeness. And then likeness, we have the same attributes of God. Right. So you know. We're the duplication of God, but we're not the wholeness of God, meaning we're not like God. We're just human in that sense. So, kind of like, you know, like children, they have 
the likeness of their parents, but they're not, they're like a piece of their father. Mm -hmm. They're not the wholeness of both parents. Okay. So I don't think that when it says that we are created in the image and likeness of God, that we are in his wholeness, but we are representations of God on earth. God gives us the authority to rule, to subdue, to fill, um, uh, and, and so we're, we're represent. Yeah, Dave, help me with this. I'm yeah. having a hard time. Yeah, no, I so appreciate uh, Wayman's question because I think it brings us back to um, Dennis. You caught this a few weeks ago. Hey, remember, there's two trees. There's two trees for a reason. And if you're to follow the rest of the storyline of Scripture, and I think that's the beauty of of reading the Bible in light of the Bible. So it's like it's kind of hard to get Genesis one, two, three. But you read forward and you kind of think backward and it clicks for you a little more. And you do that over and over. And what you would notice in scripture is the tree of life and wisdom are started, started especially in the wisdom literature, Proverbs and so forth. They're used synonymously. So tree of life and wisdom are the same idea or concept. So when we yeah. take from the tree of life we're absorbing the wisdom of God. And so, Wayman, to your observation of like, well, we don't necessarily think like God, I would say God wants us to take from the tree of life. And as we take from the tree of life, we begin to think like God. Because he wants us as images made in his likeness to reign and to rule over his good world. He wants us to reign like he would reign. He wants us to rule like he would rule over this good world. He's he's trusting us as stewards and managers. So so think for a minute, like Wayman, for you, um, have you ever had like a, a TA or or like a, a, stu- a teacher in training kind of? You're the master teacher, and they're coming up beside you. It might be muted, huh? Oh yeah, yeah. Yes, I had a student teacher before. Yeah, student teacher. So I, I would imagine as the master teacher, you got your student teacher, your hope is, especially if imagine in two years, you were going to hand your class over to that student teacher, you would want that student teacher to, to start thinking like you, right? I mean, no. No? Okay. Yeah, let's talk. I like it. I like I mean, it. Let's talk about I think, it. I think everybody's their own person as far as, and, and they teach their own way and, and feel comfortable in their own, you know, way of doing things. So I'd rather them um, teach in the way that they feel comfortable, not in the way that I do. Yeah. Yeah. You want them to have your knowledge. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Tell me yeah. more about that, Dennis. Like maybe the difference between imparting knowledge, but not necessarily cramming them into your mold. Like you have to do robotically everything like I would do it. Yes, right? that, that's exactly it right there. Okay. Maybe that's the difference you're kind of teasing out. It's like imparting the knowledge. That's why you have a student teacher, but not necessarily mm-hmm. saying you have to, you know, walk, talk, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, eat your lunch the same way that I do (laughs) (laughs) down to the micromanaging detail. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I think God is, is calling us to partake of his wisdom. And as we grow in wisdom, we begin to, to manage, to steward, to reign, to rule more and more like him. Uh, Does that make sense? But not robotically. Yeah. So if if he's wanting us to partake in his wisdom, is that, are you saying that, is that that's why he created Satan essentially is because he wanted us to actually eat that, eat from the fruit. Well, remember we're talking, um, two different trees. That knowledge. Yeah. Two, okay. two different trees. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, which, which does get to Grace's question, which I do want to make sure before we wrap up, Sean, we get to that. Maybe Wayman, can we tie that question you just asked in with Grace's before we, before we go today? You good with that, Sean? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought oh, you were asking me. Yeah, I yeah. kind of spoke. Sorry. <clears throat> before we before we do that, I wanna I wanna really try and um, um, clarify based on what we talked about before uh, Wayman's question of image and likeness as well. Um, real quick, Wayman, when when it talks about image, we talked about Solomon and us being a representation of God on earth. He's given us the, the authority to rule just like he rules. And so we represent him in that way. But also, um, 
in his likeness. We're, 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 we've been given a relational side, um, designed to be in relation with him. We're creative. We have a free will. Um, we're created for holiness. Um, we have a moral disposition. We have all of these likenesses of God. And, and, and that's what I want to, that, that's what I want to, 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 um, to bring about when, when it talks about when Satan says, you'll be like God, he's, he's saying, um, you're missing. God has created you in all of the, God says, I've created you in all of these ways like me and Satan's saying, but you're missing one thing. And that one thing is, uh, the knowledge of good and evil. Yeah, go ahead. Dave. If I could just jump in. And like yeah. I said, women, I, I love that you asked that question. I think it made us kind of stop and pause right here yeah. is the question Sorry. you asked. And I think you've helped me clarify it a little bit. The robotic versus like, you know, wisdom versus like, um, you got to do everything exactly like I would do it. Um, that's such a key part of the story of scripture because God lays out all his laws, right? And at the end of the day, God says, but I'm going to place my spirit within you so that you, you, uh, make the choice to love me and to love others. Like God is all about, if you look at Ezekiel, um, Ezekiel 36, he talks about how no longer will we be humans trying to follow all the rules, but instead we will love God and love others because um, the spirit of God placed within us, like that's what we love doing. Like mm-hmm. it comes from our own free will now rather than us um, trying to just robotically follow all of God's rules. And so such a key part of scripture. And that's why the cross and the resurrection is such a big deal is, is um, it puts to death like kind of that rule follower in us. And, and Jesus says it all comes down to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And this now becomes this, this free will to love God and to love others with everything we have. And it's not robotically. God doesn't want puppets or robots. Um, and so I, I think it, you're hitting on a really, really key theme all throughout Scripture, the difference between us being a bunch of rule followers because God told us or genuinely loving and enjoying God and loving and enjoying other human beings. So does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Well, uh, wait a minute. Does that help bring clarity to, to image and likeness? Yeah, image and likeness, yeah. I'm still... Uh, kind of question, uh, question would be like, is God knowing everything and, and, and knowing what, what's going to happen? Why create Satan to begin with? Mm-hmm. Mike, I have a question, Sean. If, if God is made, if we're made in his image and given all the freedom, then don't we have to eat from the tree of knowledge? Wait, say that again because it, there was some some noise in, in between there. He clearly said no. Uh, never mind. Susan <laughs> 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 is correcting me while we're sitting here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I'll, I'll pose the question later. Okay. Um, Wayman, yeah. The question was, I'm sorry, Wayman. Um, oh, I my said, Thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I, I think when we look at it, at the history of scripture and scripture isn't um, really clear on, on, on what took place, but it, it, it appears as though Satan was um, an angel that was, that was a, 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 a one of a glorious angel, but fell. And so the question, I think, you know, if we extrapolate that out, did God know Satan would fall? If he knew Satan would fall, why would he create him? The answer, women, I, I don't know. I can't answer that. Um, there's a, there's a, here's the catch. There's a lot of things in Scripture, a lot of, a lot of gaps that God does not fill in for us for, for some reason. Um, and sometimes I think we see um, folks try and do that, and, and it, I think it creates a lot of um, – a lot of theological um, 
just a lot of theological rabbit trails that there's no evidence for. And so I think my, my honest answer is, I don't know. Can I jump in there, Sean? Yeah, please. Now I get something too when you're done. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I just want to do kind of take my best crack at maybe that question and Grace's earlier question. Cause I think they're very connected, right? Like why would God put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the middle of the garden? If he knew that Eve and Adam and Eve would take from it, why would he even behind the serpent, you know, create, um, Satan knowing that he would fall and lead a rebellion and, from what we can piece together, if you were to look at kind of the overall story of Scripture, and, and truthfully, I think as humans, we have a really hard time with this. And this is where it kind of comes down to like, do we trust that God is God and we're not, and that his ways are higher than our ways? And um, is that he would actually create Satan, and he would create that tree in the middle of the garden, knowing that, yes, we would make the choice to follow Satan rather than follow him, knowing that we would choose rebellion, knowing that we would uh, either um, run away from God or fight against him in our sin, right? Like God created Satan in the tree, knowing that as humans we would do this, but all in the end knowing that um, he would send his son Jesus to go to the cross for us. And this is why we say over and over again that the pinnacle of all human history is the cross. And that the whole point is that as rebellious as humans are, as, um, as stubborn as we are, as much hatred as we can have towards God, the cross is the best possible demonstration of how loving, merciful, gracious, compassionate, forgiving uh, God is that he would become human like us, lay down his own life to demonstrate how much he loves us. Romans says that even while we were still sinners, um, God died for us. Um, And so um, that, you know, I agree with Sean. I, I don't think we can pick the details apart, but if we look at the overall story, what we see is the cross and the resurrection is this incredible picture of what kind of God he is. And if humans had never messed up, we could never really see how forgiving and gracious and merciful God is. And I think it goes back to your early earlier question too, Wayman, is if humans had never messed up, we would just always be robots. We would just kind of be like DNA uh, programmed to just always do what God wants us to do. So God gave us the ability to mess up so that we could have freedom, but also so that he could demonstrate his love, his mercy, his grace poured out on the cross. So that's my best crack, crack at it. But you guys have other thoughts on that? Um, I was just going to say, Dave, ultimately, um, again, the details I don't know, um, I, I or anybody, but but ultimately, I think that through what you just explained, it brings God glory, which was intended from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, whoa, what a God would die for his creation. No God would do that. You know, go ahead, Dennis. I'm sorry. Okay. You guys have to remember that in defense of Eve, she had no knowledge of what Adam was told because he was told not to eat from that tree before she was created. We're going to talk about that next yeah, week. That's good. <laughs> Dennis, you, you realize you you just made, you just set up the men for failure next week, right? <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. She throws, yeah, but you're spot on. Yeah, I think I think she throws him under the bus. She throws him under the bus. Throws him under the bus. Yeah. But I would think she would know. Well, she, did, she didn't. I, said, I would think Adam would tell her because husband and wife share pretty much everything. Well, and, and he's supposed to lead her, right? He's supposed yeah, to lead he, her, but he still, he still, God didn't instruct him, you know, men are stupid. To control. <laughs> Have you ever tried to control a woman, Sean? <laughs> I'm sorry you're breaking up, Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. Sorry, I can't hear you. 
Yeah. Guys, I do I do want to say real quick, uh, Sean and I, for a while since we started this class, our hope was for just really good interaction. And out of the gate, we were feeling a little stuck. Like we felt like maybe we were talking too much or not allowing room for good questions and dialogue. And so I just want to say, first of all, Sean, well done leading us through the first couple of verses this morning. And well done to you guys. I, I had a lot of fun this morning. Just great questions, good interaction. This, to me, uh, I think really came a lot, which through Zoom, of all things, is pretty amazing because it's really hard to dialogue and not interrupt each other. But this morning was really interactive, and I just really enjoyed that. And I just want to say let's keep that up because I love the questions. And, uh, hey, we'll take as long as we need to get through Genesis 3. If we need to stop, stop and talk about one verse, that's just fine. But think about all the good conversation that came from Wayman. Honestly, just one question you threw out there. And, like, we could sit there for a while, couldn't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I love the interaction. It's fun. Yeah, me too. That's that's like Dave said. That really, that's what we were hoping for from the beginning. So, um, yeah, keep keep bringing the questions, even if they're tough, even if there's no answer, even even if we don't know the answer. Let's find it together. And also, I think we need to invite um, more people into different um, groups, like the women's group, the men's group, this group, whatever else is available out there. Because I think right now everybody needs a little extra. I know I do, personally. Yeah, invite them. For sure. Yeah. I did that already. I've only got nine screens on my... my, uh, And so I, I don't know who else is here. Yeah. Um, I need to figure out how to make them smaller so I can see everybody. Click on Matt's in here. I can't even see Dennis and Susan. But I know they're here. I recognize their voice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can't miss Dennis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dennis is throwing singers this morning. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's that's but, right. Next week, Sean yeah. explains why. Man threw woman under the bus. Yeah. <laughs> and what Sean, what Sean's really saying is he only has room on a screen for nine screens, so he's gonna hold a, a tryout. And uh, the the nine. <laughs> yeah. any, any questions that I can't see off to the side? Yeah. Don't get their yeah. Yeah. Those are, we skip those. Yeah. <laughs> no, Grace. To your comment, I completely agree. I would say. Um, you know, going back to our earlier proverb of anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Uh, guys, this is a good word. I mean, we just spent an hour in the word. Great conversation. I know my spirits are lifted. Um, just thinking about being filled with the truth. And I think the farther we get into this shelter in place, people, I think the first couple weeks are okay because it's kind of a little bit new, a little bit exciting. You get to spend more time at home, whatever. But over time, I think the next couple of weeks, more and more people are starting to feel isolated. And I think depression starts to kick in when you don't have enough human interaction. And man, what a great opportunity to interact in, through the word of God, you know, through Zoom. I agree with you, Grace. Like, I would love to see new people come, come join us and hang out with us in our life groups and discipleship groups. So good call. So yeah, feel feel free to. I know we have to have a password now because Zoom requires it for all meetings. Um, but feel free for someone you know and trust, um, pass the link on and the password. I have no problem with that. It doesn't have to come from me. Um, Zoom just now requires a password because I think some people were doing some goofy stuff. <laughs> um, you know, uh, you know how Zoom, you know how people can be. So. Um, but please pass on the link and the password to, to people that you know. Don't have to ask for Sean and I's permission. Just go for it. Okay. Yeah, and one more thing, guys. You guys wouldn't mind. Uh, <clears throat> we talked last week about maybe reading through three and bringing observations. If you guys would continue reading, uh, maybe start at the beginning of three again. We only got through four or five verses and read through and, and bring your observations and questions. And let's talk through them. I think, like Dave said, it creates awesome conversation. Would uh, would somebody mind praying us out, and then we'll close up? All right, I'll, I'll get it, Sean. Thanks, Dave.
Father, thank you so much for your word. We're reminded this morning that your word is truth. And uh, Lord, I think of just how sneaky Satan is. I just, I think of all, all the ways that he can take your good truth, your good word, that's supposed to bring us life and wisdom and blessing and flourishing. And he can take it and he can twist it. And if we choose to believe that, we walk away from the life um, that is found in you and in your truth. And so I pray for us as men and women that we would just love your truth. We would love to cling to it so that we could fight the lies, the deception, the twisting uh, the deceit. And so may we be men and women who just fight for the truth because we know that the truth uh, brings us life, but also when we're filled with it, um, we get to bring your good words into the lives of others. And so I pray right now that you would fill our hearts, our minds, our souls with your truth so that uh, to fight anxiety, depression, loneliness that I think uh, we can all be prone to right now. And then also to be life givers um, as we interact with people in the grocery store, um, even if it's from six feet away, we can bring the truth to them that um, can meet them in a time of anxiety. So, Lord, may we be known as men and women who uh, bring life to others um, because of the life you've given us, Jesus. So we thank you for the cross. We thank you for the resurrection that we celebrate this week, especially just reminded that our sins have been forgiven, uh, that you are the resurrection and the life. And so our hope is in eternal life in you, that we get to follow you into um, life after death. And so, uh, Lord, we pray for, for salvation, for our neighbors, for our friends, for people all over the city and nation and world, that they would find salvation and rescue and forgiveness and eternal life in you, Jesus. Uh, may you use Easter um, services all across the world this Sunday to just bring people to new life in you, Jesus. Um, may your word be given to people faithfully. So thank you for this class. Just so grateful for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, guys. Well, thank you for the time this morning. We'll we'll see you next week. All right. Have a good yeah. day, everyone. All right, guys.